This podcast is brought to you by Learn Prime. Start your journey to becoming a great developer at learn.thoughtbot.com. Get your coffee? Yep. Keurig? Nope. Dunkin' Donuts? No. I took the time today. Mm. I poured water over coffee manually, like our forefathers did it, yeah. but with less racism. <laughs> Hey everybody, this is Gordon in Boston. And this is Mark in San Francisco. And this is Build Phase. My sleep schedule is still fucked from um, Thanksgiving. I swear to God. Really? Yeah. I'm so bad with like personal habits. Normally I wake up super early and I go to the gym in the morning and I'm all good. But Thanksgiving week, that long break just like screwed me up. I started sleeping in, going to sleep later, and now my whole schedule is like totally boned. <laughs> sucks when was the last time you went to the gym last monday it's been a week been two weeks basically oh wow sucks do you feel different i don't hurt all over (laughs) oh so i feel i don't know i always feel lazy when i haven't been to the gym in this long maybe i should try going to the gym (laughs) because i've just been lazy since like 1998 yeah (laughs) so how's the uh mac app development going frustrating and slow if you can't tell i'm trying to bait you into yeah, bitching rant, about AppKit. About, yeah yeah i could do that <laughs> no i don't know i mean i i, I my my experience with AppKit is super super limited you know it's just like every now and then i'll pick it up to do something small and i'm always surprised i think i've said this before but i'm like i always end up being surprised when stuff isn't there or isn't as easy um, I think more than anything, it's it's it is the app kit level code, right? It's like the number of things that aren't views blows my mind. Just like constant, and it makes sense. It actually does make sense. Like you know, famously, like table view cells. When you have a NS table view, there are no views. There's no view. You don't control view objects inside the table view. You can now, but that's like ten point seven. I think they. They added that view based table view cells. But before that, you had um, NS, I think it was all NS cell. I think it's, I think it was NS cell. I could be wrong. That sounds right. Is it either NS cell? I don't think there's an NS table view cell. No, I'm pretty sure it's NS cell. And the NS cell reference even says the NS cell class provides a mechanism for displaying text or images in an NS view object without the overhead of a full NS view subclass. So, you know, it, it just it, it's just kind of surprising coming from coming from UI kit, you know, what I mean, where everything is a, everything is a view at some level, except for goddamn menu bar items um, or yeah, UI bar item. Oh, God, um, I have a, I have a story about that, but okay. keep going. But coming from UI kit where everything is a view, Everything that you see on screen, with the exception of bar button items, at some level is is inheriting from views. So you know you can do a set of things with it. But then you run into table views, and table views are using NS cells by default, not UI views. So now you got to – and there's no like NS table view cell view subclass that gives you a nice easy way to set up table view cells. So it's if, every time you see a table view on OS ten with view based cells that's a completely custom cell that you have to create you know um and then the one that i ran into yesterday that was just like 
this one makes sense. Like I understand why at an architectural level, I understand why it's like this, but it was still kind of like, oh, God damn it. Are you kidding me? Is um, menu items. So when you create a menu for something, uh, you can you have menu items and you can add menu items to a menu and you can give them target and action stuff so that they can, you know, perform stuff, whatever. But those are not view-based they're not views. They're just data objects, essentially. They're, they're models. Um, and the reason that they do that is because you can use these things anywhere, right? So those, those menus and menu items can be attached to the menu bar, you know, where everything should look relatively similar, or they can be coming out of the dock, like when you right-click on a, on a, on an application in the dock and you have you have that menu there that's also oh it just looks different yeah it just looks different because it's a data it's just a model so they're just they're just putting those models inside different views based on the context in which you're accessing them so it totally makes sense but when you're doing something like like I'm just building this kind of stupid little menu bar application right it is stupid and we'll get back it's, to that okay great but you know, I'm doing a thing, and I want to have left-aligned text and then right-aligned text, and I can't do that. And so then I have to create views. Like menu items can take a view, so now I have to create a custom menu item subclass and create a view for that menu item subclass and do all the layout myself. And then I immediately run into the fact that oh, right, there's no such thing as NS label. It's all NS text fields with like so now i have a class um i have a label subclass i have a subclass of text field that's just called label basically and all it does is it overrides init with frame and sets draws background to no editable to no and bezeled to no and i have to reset the font to match <laughs> to match the, it's like that's all this class does is just an overridden init method to set it up like it's a goddamn label. Couldn't you just use draw rect and just draw the string? Yeah, probably. But then I wouldn't get auto layout. Oh, right. And I kind of need to do that because like the left there's an there can be an arbitrary number of menu items. The left aligned text can be of an arbitrary length and then the right aligned text is a number in parentheses, but it can be it, it could be you know, a thousand probably shouldn't be, but it could be like, you know, whatever. So I wanted to use auto layout to dynamically size the menu based on all that stuff. When you use a custom view, do you still get all the highlighting for free? I don't know. Be I think so. As long as you're like setting the background to clear and all that stuff, um, which, oh, by, yeah, that's the other thing. There's no freaking background color. I was trying to debug frame layout issues and auto layout issues and so i was like oh i know this i'll set the background color of the the enclosing view to blue and then the labels to red so that i can see where the frames are and there's no background color property on ns view none i don't know <laughs> like i don't know what i'm supposed to do with that like am i just supposed to draw the background myself i think so you have a problem with that, that sucks yes <laughs> huge problem that sucks so bad. Who was the main architect of AppKit? I don't know. Oh. Should I? Um, maybe. It's I can't remember. I think it's architected well. It's just old. It it is, yeah. It's just it's 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 not necessarily that app I don't think it's that AppKit does stuff wrong. It's just that 
it's got more legacy and my perception is colored by the fact that I spend all of my time in UI kit, which does stuff similar, right? Like similar in concept, but different in execution sometimes, like having a background color on UI view and no background color on NS view. You know what I mean? That seems like a very low level decision that was made and it was just made differently on, and I, I don't understand the reasoning. I'm going to wager that it's because every view in UIKit is layer-backed. And when NSView was created, there was no such thing as core animation. That's probably it. That's a very good point. That's probably it. exactly. The only, the only turd we have like this is, like you said, UI, UI bar item. And I've wondered for a long time why that isn't a UI view. And I saw recently that someone was complaining on, on the tutor about how UI bar item and UI bar button item are not views. And it may have been me. Was it me? Was I the one complaining? Maybe. <laughs> and then Evan Dahl, who was a, uh, he worked on the first mail app on the iPhone, um, responded and said that that was a decision made by the human interface team because they didn't want developers using bar button looking items in the UI or anywhere but a navigation bar. So the solution to that was to create this like model view type thing with the bar item just give it things like a string or a custom view and then they'll draw it for you. It's probably not necessary now though, right? Because that that button looks just like a button anywhere else in iOS 7. It looks just like a label too. Well, <laughs> yes, but it has color that's being tappable. Have you ever tried, do you remember in the old music app when you could tap the, um, if you're on like the now playing screen, you could t- hit the cover art in the top right and the view would flip around to show the track list? Hmm. I, I don't think I've ever used the music app. Maybe twice. So at the same time, the the cover art in the top right corner that you tapped also flipped at like the same interval to like show the button that would like take you back. Trying to do that on your own is incredibly difficult with UI bar button item. I was never able to figure it out. Did they just use a custom view for that? I tried that, but then again, this was like three years ago and I sucked. So <laughs> that's probably it. <laughs> Yeah. I imagine it's probably, yeah, like a container view, and then there's views inside of it that they're transitioning between. I could probably do it now. I just don't care anymore. So this menu bar app, I'm calling you out. Yeah, are you going to give me crap about yeah. this? Go ahead and tell the people what you did. How far back should I start? All the way back. Explain with your horrible male client choices. Okay. Uh, I don't even know how long ago I switched, but a few months ago maybe, I stopped using Sparrow for reasons I can't remember and started using Mutt for my email, which is an absolutely insane decision to make. Uh, and I'm fully aware of and that. And what is Mutt? Mutt is a command line email client. Mm-hmm. The way I'm using it, it's actually just a command line email viewer because that's all it does is it looks at email. Um, so my setup is incredibly complex. There's like four config files that I need for this. I have to have mutt to view the email. I have <laughs> – you can't be laughing off mic <laughs> while I'm trying to explain this. I have mutt to view the email. I have um, vim to write email. Offline IMAP. Is a is a pro is a little application that keeps my mail directory in sync with the IMAP servers, 
but only for like pulling mail down. It doesn't send mail. So then I also need another program called MSMTP to send mail. (laughs) (laughs) And all because you can't remember why you stopped using Sparrow. I think it was probably, probably just peer pressure. There was a thing at some point a few months ago where everybody, not everybody at ThoughtBot, but like a couple different people at ThoughtBot were talking about Mutt. It came up for some reason and people were talking about wanting to try it out. And I'm horrible with that stuff where I'm like, if I see something mentioned a bunch, I'm like, yeah, why am I not using that? Maybe I should try that. (laughs) And then I try it. The thing is, in all seriousness, like as I was setting it up and even now, like I totally realize that this is an absolutely ridiculous solution to a relatively easily solved problem, but I really kind of like it. Weirdly enough, I really, I really do. Um, I tried switching back to Sparrow, or no, I tried switching to Airmail, and I it drove me crazy. I don't know. I felt like it was slow. I felt like there was too much Chrome going around. Honestly, the one thing I like about Airmail is the unread filter. I don't know why more mail clients don't have that. Well, my the way I use email is incredibly simple. I, I if it's in my inbox, I need to deal with it. Period. Right. Like I, 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 I get email. I read it. I archive it. That's that's exact. If and I don't, I don't delete anything. I if I need to, I'll send it to OmniFocus. If it's something like I actually have to do something with, I'll send it to OmniFocus. Otherwise, I'll reply to it right there, or just not reply to it and just you know archive it. Whatever. At least that's a somewhat normal method of emailing my method is completely insane and it's odd because i'm so i'm such a perfectionist about everything else but when it comes to email i'm just bad at it like um it's it's the equivalent of having a messy room but then having a spot on the floor where important things go and those important things to me are unread emails so the way i keep track of things that i need to do is i so you mark them as unread. Yes. So I'll read them and go, that seems That's important. So and I'll just mark it as unread because the little badge will drive me insane and force me to do something about it. But I don't archive or anything. I just read. I just have like hitting up arrow, up arrow, reading, reading. Oh, mark is unread. I can't deal with that. It's like the one area of computing, you know, my life on a computer that's just a wreck. Okay. So you have Mutt. <laughs> So I have Mutt. Well, and so the thing with Mutt... Hold on, let's, th- let's, give, me a quick, uh, give me a quick overview of how it works. So like you... I type Mutt in a terminal and I'm brought to my ThoughtBot email address by default, which I have it configured that way. Um, so I have it. It brings me to my ThoughtBot inbox um, and it's just a list. It's a text-based list of emails. And I use J and K... To go up and down the list, enter opens the email, A archives the email, shift A archives that whole thread. Very, very simple. R can reply to the email. M creates a new email. Seems straightforward. It, it's very straightforward. And the thing is, it's it's really, really fast. Like a lot of times I don't end up opening emails, like especially stuff from GitHub, right? I, I watch a, a, not a huge number of repos, but a a couple active repos, right? I watch Kif. I write. I watch, watch some CocoaPod stuff. I watch a couple Thoughtbot repos. I watch. You know what I mean? I, I watch a few repos that that are a little noisy, um, 
And so a lot of times I won't even read the emails. I just see the you know subject line and I just sit there and hit A, 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 just kind of like going through the list. Um, it's at the point where like if I'm if I go like a long weekend, like the Thanksgiving weekend, right? And I get back over the course of the weekend, I ended up, you know, with 70, 80, 100 emails. And I won't I'll ju- I just won't deal with it on my phone because I'm like this is going to take so freaking long to deal with on my phone as opposed to just firing up mutt and I can get through all that in like you know, 2 minutes, 3 minutes easy black like i can you can just rip through emails this way and i don't get a huge amount of email but i don't know i like i like that i like that i don't have something in my um you know command tab switcher because i'm kind of the same as you where if i have if i have a you know a big red badge somewhere then that annoys me so i like that i don't have that i totally get that i could turn that off but I don't know. I, I'm also bad about like if I'm command tabbing through, I'll just like stop on things, even if there's nothing there. I, I just I'll just get distracted and I'll just go, like go into some random app. I kind of like having it having my email just be something I can spin up at any point and like deal with and then close and it's not in my face and I don't have to look at it. So you don't keep it open all day. Nope. Like in a in a tab or nope. something. Some people do, and like it's set up so that it'll ring a bell in terminal. So I'll get like a. You know, I'll get a notification through Notification Center actually because I use iTerm too. So notification, it'll send a notification to Notification Center that says, you know, tab like if I leave it open and if I get a new em- email in that in in that box that I'm currently on, it'll say um, uh, iTerm tab two parentheses mutt just rang a bell. It's like okay, that's a new email that just came in. You know, got it. So I guess that brings us to our to your menu bar. So yeah, so the way so the way Mutt actually works, all Mutt is actually doing is it's parsing a standardized directory format called Mailder, M A I L D I R, right? It's a totally standardized directory format. Um, mine happens to be located at you know user slash dot mail is where my my root mail directory is that's where most people end up putting it that's where it tends to be by default and all it's doing is it it's changing directories so like when i say i'm in my thoughtbot email folder the way it looks is there's a dot mail directory inside that is a gordon dash thoughtbot.com directory right i'm just replacing at with dash there and then inside that are all the different mailboxes for uh my thoughtbot email address right so there's an inbox all caps inbox sent spam there's like a build phase folder where i send stuff that you know feedback and stuff that we get through the build phase email and then inside each one of those directories there's a uh three folders cur c-u-r which is um just stuff that's in that mailbox. New is unread email that's in that inbox. And then temp, which I actually have no idea what's what that is. I, I don't know why. I don't know what goes in that. But every mailbox has that. So once you know that, it's really easy to build like little utility scripts around that to do different things. So what I 
what I noticed was happening was, like I said, like I don't like having a big red badge in my face all the time about my email. But at the same time, there would be days where I'd open, I'd get into work. There isn't a big red badge. So I totally forget that I had emails and I'd realize like halfway, three quarters of the way through the day, I'd realize that there was 60, 70, 80 uh, emails sitting unread. People were trying to get in touch with me and I just, I hadn't ever opened much, so I never saw so I wanted to – so just as like an experiment, I started writing a silly little menu bar application for OS X that all it does is parse the, that same directory structure. And it just looks inside um, you know, the Kerm, new, and temp folders inside my various inboxes, tallies them up, and throws that number up in the menu bar next to a, a mail icon thing. So when you describe it, it doesn't sound so unreasonable. But when I first heard that you were now writing like a graphical user interface <laughs> widget for your command line email, right. I was blown away. Like I, I just saw like feature creep setting in yeah. and then eventually you've created a, a mail new client. mail client right in line with uh, – <laughs> have, have you ever heard of Zawinski's law no. of software development? No. It states that every program attempts to expand until it can read mail. <laughs> that was that, that's going to happen here. It's totally possible. <laughs> well, question about attachments. How does that work in Mutt? Yeah, the same way they would work through any other email client. Like I can still attach. I just don't have a GUI that's doing it for me. That's making it look pretty. But I can still attach a file, just like I would anything else and when i send that when i send that email msmtp grabs that file associates it with the mail and sends it off okay but if i send you a gif of a giraffe stuck in a well how are you going to view that in mutt so <laughs> i actually have a um inside mutt if there's an attachment i hit i can hit v and v will actually show me everything that's attached to the email um in a browser? No, no, no. In 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 the command in the command line, like in terminal, it'll show me. So, like, I just hit V on this random one, and this the way it normally is is there's a a root level object that's a multi part thing that consists of the text version of the email and the HTML version of the email, right? So, like, common practice is to send a plain text only version of the email along with an HTML version of the email. And then your mail browser should be able to decide which one of those you want to look at. You learn all of this stuff once you get into Mutt because all of a sudden you're just getting like HTML emails dumped in your inbox and you're just like reading HTML. It's like, what is this? I can't. This sucks. But so then what I can do is I have um, – you can set up a thing called a mail cap file that you can say for f these file types do this with that attachment for these file types do that. So I actually have it set up so that most stuff just gets opened in um, Quick Look. So if I open this and I hit V and I go down to the HTML version, I can hit enter and it will open that in a little Quick Look window as rendered HTML. And the same thing happens with, with images, PDFs, videos. I don't know if it works for videos. Whatever. You can get it set up to do kind of anything. That's kind of the cool thing. I think kind of the cool thing about Mutt is that it's infinitely configurable. You know what I mean? If I don't like the way something works, I can just change the way it works. 
the OmniFocus thing I mentioned earlier is a great example of that where, you know, if I'm in Sparrow or Airmail, there's no good way for me to send an email from those mail clients into OmniFocus. Uh, they, they would have to build in support for OmniFocus on their end, which is a architectural decision. You know what I mean? Like, where do you stop with that? If you're building in support for OmniFocus and you're going to have to support things and then you're going to have to support any other, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's going to get uh, feature creep pretty quick. But with Mutt, I just wrote a script. I just wrote a Python script or maybe Ruby. I don't remember. Um, but I just wrote a script that essentially fires off an Apple script event. Ta- it takes in the ma- the message, the email message, parses it, like just parses out the header information and then grabs the body and just sends it to OmniFocus with Apple script. So I was able to add OmniFocus, add, add that ability to Mutt directly myself. Cause I'm a programmer. Like this is something I should be able to do with my stuff. I should be able to script it. This, this command line client or this, uh, menu bar application. The only reason it works is because it's an open standardized format that I can just write stuff on top of. That's fair. You, you love that kind of stuff. Configuring things. It, it started off as like, a, and it's, it's such a ridiculous, I mean, I'll put a, I'll, I'll add a link to my mutt, rc my config file and keep in mind that it's like one of the four right like i already had vim set up because i use vim when i'm doing not basically anything other than xcode um so vim was already set up but then i had to set up this huge mutt rc and then also offline imap rc and also sm msmtp rc like i had to set up all these other things but i'll post a link to my um mutt config and it's 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 insane i really have to go through and clean it up and and figure out how to structure it properly because it's kind of a freaking mess right now it's just stuff grabbed from all over the internet but yeah it started off as like a weekend tinkering thing you know what i mean and i was 90 percent sure that i was going to get it set up and then i was going to be like cool that was fun i can't deal with this anymore <laughs> like but i don't know there's something about it that works for me and works for the way that I deal with email, which like I said, is very, very simplistic. Like I don't, I don't like email. I don't like, I I get email. I reply to it. I archive it. That's how I, that's my entire organizational structure. So was it, was it hard getting it set up with Gmail's special flavor of IMAP or did you find something that was already kind of ready to go? Not, it, not really. It wasn't, it wasn't super hard. Um, but it's mainly because I found tutorials from people that also were doing the same thing. We're setting it up with Gmail accounts plus Pat Brisbane, who's a coworker of ours, um, who is a big Linux user and is the one, I think he's the only other person in the office that's using Mutt regularly now. Cause I think most everyone else dropped off. Um, and he's a, he's a, like a long time Mutt user and he, he had it set up and he has some tutorials on his website for setting up Mutt. Uh, specifically with Gmail and stuff. And so he was a big help. Oh, cool. George Brocklehurst is the other one, actually, in Stockholm. Ah, yes. He uses Mutt, Gmail. So if, if there were a normal email client out there that, you know, where you didn't have to view HTML in QuickLook and write your own menu bar app, but had all the same keyboard shortcuts to let you tear through email, would you switch? I don't think so. No? Stick with, sticking with Mutt? 
I don't I don't know what it is. I really I really don't know what it is. I don't know why I like it so much. There's something about it that just kind of makes sense to me. Cause I mean there's stuff like you can archive threads in Gmail. Like I could just go to the Gmail web client and use J and K and I think E archives and that archives a whole thread by default. You know what I mean? That doesn't archive individual messages. That just archives entire threads. So I could do that and probably have the same speed. So it's not just about the speed. I kind of like having everything in the terminal. I kind of like having, having, uh, I I don't know how to explain it. I really don't. I kind of like having it all be plain text. I kind of like making, making the decision like, it forces me to unsubscribe to things that I probably wouldn't would just deal with because if there if there's a lot of things out there that just don't send plain text versions of their emails, right? They only send the HTML version, which is kind of crappy from a standards point of view. And it, but you you're never going to notice that unless you're doing something stupid like viewing your email in a. Uh, terminal. <laughs> um, but when I see that, I'm like, I, I have to make that decision of like, is this really something that I care about enough to keep having come into my inbox and annoy me every time? You know what I mean? So like there's stuff out there that I'm just like, I don't actually really like this newsletter. Like, why am I getting this newsletter? If I don't even enjoy, I don't even pay attention to what it's saying. I don't really read it that much. I just kind of like, I don't even open if I'm not even opening it in Quick Look. If I'm not even trying to view the HTML version, then it's probably not worth being subscribed to. You know, so and I end up cutting it out. I don't know. So you've actually kind of piqued my interest now. Like hearing you talk about it at length for yes! thirty minutes. Yes, I'm kind of interested. Like I might, I might take you know three weeks and see if I can set it up, <laughs> and then another three weeks to use it. Do you think this uh, mail notifier thing is something you'll make available to others? I do. I've actually been um, – it's it's available now. It's it's just uh, – it's not something I'm like publicizing or whatever, but it's available on my GitHub. I think it's even up to date. Nope. Now it's kind of up to date. Yeah, I don't know. I've been – it's it's something I've just kind of been playing around with. Um, I think it's been fun to work on because it's – I've used – I'm using things I've never used before, right? FS events. So – you know, I have a, I have an inbox model, right? That that takes in it's it's instantiated with a path to an inbox, and then it returns. It basically has um, an email count method and a name method. But when it's instantiated with the inbox path, it also registers for FS events for that inbox. So it creates a. Um, an FS event stream, which I don't know if you've ever dealt with FS events, but so like file system events, right? So I can, it, it lets me watch those, the, that directory for changes and it watches recursively so that I just watch that inbox. And if I get a new message into new cur or temp inside that inbox within three seconds, um, a notification fires back to my application I run a C callback, um, which then I end up just posting a notification through Notification Center. The, that notification gets picked up by um, – I have a status item controller or a status controller. Yeah, status controller. That 
the status controller is listening for that notification. So within three seconds of getting a new email in the inbox, the status controller here sees that there's been a new email and then just asks the parser, which is kind of like the high level thing that's holding all the inboxes, asks the parser to, for its new in, inbox count or email count, right? So, so offline IMAP runs like every three minutes, it's pulling down emails, right? So between the, if you send me an email, it'll be three minutes and 30 seconds. Worst case scenario, three minutes and 30 seconds between the server re- receiving your email and my notifier thing, uh, just updating the count. And it's, it's super unobtrusive. It just hangs out in your menu bar. It has like the little mail icon only if there's just one, it just shows a single, just the letter, like a, like a, like a letter icon. And then if there's more than one, it just adds a count to it. Is that three and a half minute interval configurable? Sure. Like if, if you, if you're, sorry, I said three and a half minutes, three minutes and three seconds. Um, cause three minutes, three minutes, if you send an email immediately after offline IMAP already, it's cause it's all polling, right? Offline IMAP works from through polling, not push. So nothing's pushed down to my computer. Offline IMAP actually grabs a copy of the IMAP server and keeps it in sync on my local machine. So that's why there's the three minute thing, because I just have offline IMAP set up to Every three minutes, it says, is there a new email? And it pulls it down, if so. I mean, that's kind of simplifying. It syncs both ways. So if I, like, arch- if I archive something, it, that, that archive will get sent to the server every three minutes. So, yeah, the, the, the three-minute, three-second thing is configurable in that if you're polling this, your server more than every three minutes, you can get that number down. You know what I mean? So like, if you have offline IMAP running every minute, then it'd be one minute and three seconds. And then to get beyond that, you'd have to crank the latency down on the FS event stream. The whole FS event thing is a C level API. So you need to create a string CF string ref to the NS string. Um, you create a, a CF array ref with, um, I don't even know what the arguments are for this actually. So CFRA create takes an allocator void pointer point dereference pointers. What do you call it when there's two stars? I know what it means, but I can't. Is it a dereference pointer? Whatever. But it takes uh, values, um, and then it takes the number of values you gave it, and then it takes a callback, a CFRA callback. So I just create the paths with null, and I pass in the inbox path, Tell it there's only one thing. Um, I set the latency to zero, and then you create the FS event stream with a C function called FS event stream create. I pass in null, the C callback, the callback info, which is null. So I don't know why I even, whatever. That CF array, the paths. Then I say uh, there's a constant FS event stream ID since now. So like, you know, starting now, basically everything that's changed. I pass in the latency of three seconds and then create flag none, which I'm not sure what that does. That's the default for, uh, 
flags that can be passed in to modify the behavior of the stream being created. So I'm just not modifying the stream. And then I schedule the stream on the current run loop in default mode. So it's just constantly going. And so I create one of those streams for every inbox that I have. So in my case, I have three. So I create one stream for every inbox so that they can all get updated individually. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I was just reading about FS events and apparently the whole like being notified of what's changed is really new. Like 10.7 added that. And it said until then, an application was able to uh, register to receive changes to a given directory and had to determine for itself which file or files were changed. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So the new... I mean, I'm I'm not using the ability to tell what's changed at all. Um, I'm actually not using anything from the callback. Um, the only thing I'm doing in the callback is posting a notification with NS Notification Center. Uh, because I don't really care what's changed because I'm not doing any kind of parsing of the files themselves. Like the email count method on inbox just creates the uh, grabs the default file manager creates a email count um uh integer and then loops through the contents of the inbox path which is those three sub mailboxes and then counts the number of files in each one of those and then adds that count to the you know count integer and then just returns the count integer super basic i'm suddenly realizing that i could write something that will watch my downloads directory and then properly put my um gifs and jpegs away in their frivolities folder yeah you could also just use hazel for that instead of writing some yourself i've tried hazel before and i don't remember why i don't like it but at least two times i've installed it and tried to set it up and i just found it obtuse i really just need it for my frivolities you know (laughs) I use Hazel to clean my um, downloads directory because that's like a huge pet peeve of mine is like enormous like downloads directories that are, you know, there's stuff in there from like when I go on my wife's computer, it's like her desktop folder and her downloads folder. I'm just like, oh, God, do you really need this? Ten copies of this Word document from 2008. Like there's no reason to have these. Hell is other people's desktops. Oh. But the downloads folder is bad like that too, you know what I mean? Like, because people just click on things and then they go there and then they don't know that they went there or they auto open and then they close it and they don't know where that folder is. But anyway, so I have, I have, um, Hazel set up to watch that folder and delete anything. Like, if it's new, it adds a green flag to it. If it's older than a day, it adds a red flag. And if, it's older than a week it deletes it does hazel work with mavericks tags yet yeah cool what else i'm trying to do auto layout stuff on this too like i mentioned which has been how's that going uh, you know all in code right because you're not using interface builder for any of this right i have a main menu (laughs) zip file but only because i have no idea (laughs) how to get Cocoa applications to work without it. I should just look into how to bootstrap them with a application delegate class because 
it it's not structured the same. So like you don't need I think it's it used to be like this on iOS. I'm pretty sure that that iOS used to work this way in that you needed a main nib file. Yeah, main window. Yeah. Right. On iOS, you needed that, right? Yes. Yeah, you used I- to like on iOS 3 and maybe into iOS 4. Yeah, like when Interface Builder was a separate application. Right. You needed you needed to have some nib that the application would launch and then that would create your app delegate basically. And now you don't need to do that, which is awesome because you used to have to like I remember I'd have to I had to update I had to edit main.m in order to bootstrap the application to not have to start off with a nib like when I on my first app and that was really bad right because I'm trying to learn objective C and now I'm typing C code that I have no idea what it's doing into like my main file and I'm just going like this is a really bad idea I have no idea (laughs) I don't know what I'm doing here and then something would break and I'd be completely lost but so you know in OS 10 you still need that main dot zib file which then has a reference to the app delegate which is set up it has to be set up like i accidentally deleted the zib not accidentally i was just like i don't need this and so i deleted the zib and then all of a sudden none of my code ran it's because there was no hooks into it so the classes were being loaded but my app delegate was never being set as the app delegate so just sit there i just checked on ui window and it was uh 5.0 window was added as an optional property to UI application delegate. And so if you don't provide one, it will just make one for you. I think previously you had to have a UI window, but there was nothing enforcing it. It was just like the application is going to look for this thing. So it should be there. This probably has to do with storyboards. Yeah, I don't know. This has been fun. It's been fun to work on. The auto layout stuff is... Oh yeah, that's what I was gonna say. I think I think I I I get the feeling that the biggest problem with doing auto layout in code is the um, sets auto translates auto resizing masks into constraints flag that's set to yes on everything by default and breaks auto layout. So like it, it just it essentially it feels like it makes auto layout not work. Um, I think what it's actually doing is essentially what Xcode 4 would do when you would have um, – when you try using auto layout. You know what I mean? You end up with too many constraints. Like it would just let you make too many constraints. I think that that's what it's actually doing. So like all I wanted to do was, again, in my menu, I have like an enclosing view. And I wanted this label to hug the left side and this other label to hug the right side. That's all I wanted them to do. So I was, I'm creating them with a zero rect frame, which by the way is backwards in AppKit. It's another one of those, instead of like NS make rect, it's NS rect make. No. No, it, it is NS make rect. Right, it's CG right. CG rect, rect make. make. And so instead of, instead of CG rect zero, it's C, NS zero rect. It took me forever. It's like, come on. Um, uh, So I'm creating these with a zero frame, um, adding them to the internal view, setting up the constraint to hug that 
to hug the label to the left view, to the left side of the internal view. And then when I set the text, I'm setting, I'm doing size to fit and then telling it needs layout so that it'll update. I'm actually not doing that because the left and right doesn't really matter. I guess it does on the right. Whatever. And so do you have a flexible constraint between the two labels? Like what if the left label got really long? I don't yet. That's what, I, that's what I'm going to do now. I, I just have to figure out a better way to hook into this because I was just using lazy initialization for all three of these. So the internal view, title label, detail label, and they kind of like cascade. So when I set the title text, it automatically creates the title label, which automatically creates the internal view. You know what I mean? And then the same thing if I just tried to set the detail text. So it only creates the labels that it needs to create, which is all of them anyway. But I just kind of like – I like that encapsulation. But So it creates those on demand. And then inside those lazy initialization methods, I, I created a helper method on NSView, one called left aligned view with padding and the other one called right aligned view with padding. So I just pass in the, the label – and the padding amount that I want. And then it uses um, the visual format language to create a con- set of constraints to left align or to right align the text in the super view. So I just have to figure out a better way to create that set of constraints. Like I just need to figure out where to plug it in. I started doing it yesterday, but I backed off of it for some reason. It's just having trouble with it. I just remember getting an IM from you yesterday in all caps. I'm auto layouting. Well, that's when I turned off because it was just all broken. Like everything was just left aligned always. And it was just like, what the hell? And I was getting those error messages and LLDB that look incredibly helpful and totally aren't helpful at all. The huge, you know, have you ever seen those? Like the exceptions that auto layout throws and it just throws like a huge block of text. It's like, here's exactly what we think's wrong. <laughs> like here's what you can do to fix it. But then after you read it, you're like, none of this doesn't mean anything. <laughs> like none of this actually helps me. Maybe it's a lack of knowledge, right? Maybe I just need to get to a certain, like there may be knowledge missing and maybe if I had like I'm missing one piece of knowledge, if I had that knowledge, those error messages would help. But like right now they just show up and I'm like, cool. So shit's broken. That's what I get from this. <laughs> like I could have seen that too. <laughs> but yeah. Then when I turned off this auto resizing masks into constraints thing, everything just clicked and started working. I'll just try that. I've had such a hard time with auto layout and, and I'm usually like quick to adopt new stuff. But auto layout has been rough. I had for these me. same problems on iOS trying to do the auto layout in code. I, I think it boils down to doing it in code versus doing it in interface builder. I think interface builder is doing. I think interface builder is turning that. For one, I think it's turning that flag off. I don't think it's doing the auto resizing masks into constraint thing. I, I think that that's automatic. That's turned off and. If someone out there knows for sure, I'd love to know exactly what the difference is here. But I get the feeling that that's turned off when you're doing auto layout by checking the use auto layout button in Interface Builder. I feel like that's turned off. And when you're doing it in code, you have to turn it off yourself. But I could be totally wrong there. I'm wondering if I shouldn't just do this as a nib. I bet it'd be easier if I just create some outlets. Whatever. I'll figure it out. 
I'm sure we've converted a few handsome listeners to mutt. Oh, uh, yeah. Th- there's got to be someone out there who's like, I've never heard of this, and this is right up my alley. I feel like I should apologize again, like the same way I did for Cookie Clicker. <laughs> like, I feel like I should apologize for the time sink that is setting up your mutt. <laughs> Less grandmas in setting up mutt. At least half as many. We got some stuff to post in the show notes. You can find those at podcasts.thoughtbot.com slash buildphase slash 19. If you want to get in touch, you can reach us via email, buildphase at thoughtbot.com or on app.net or Twitter at buildphase. And if you like the show, ratings and reviews on iTunes are always appreciated. Uh, if you don't like the show, leave ratings and reviews, but you know, lie. Yeah. Or just email me directly. Just voice your concerns. You can email me at marketthoughtbot.com. This episode was produced and recorded by Mike Manor, edited by Igor Stolarski. <laughs>